And you do have all that wonderful beauty inside. Believe in yourself. Believe you are wonderful and all those around you will too. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Lily High on Life. And we have another fabulous guest in the studio that we're going to talk to and learn a little bit, a little bit more about. And our guest today is Rabbi Moishi Khand. Um, Moishi, welcome to Jaya. Welcome to Lily High on Life. Thank you. I am feeling high and I'm excited. Well, what I love is that you're part of the Chabad movement. And Chabad is a group of um, Orthodox Jewish people who really believe in Torah v'simcha, Torah and joy. And that's what Lily High on Life is all about. Well, Torah is synonymous with joy. And really, you could only truly celebrate and live Torah with joy. So it's not just Chabad. It's Judaism is living a life to its maximum. One would hope so. (laughs) We don't always hear such wonderful reports about Orthodox people out of Israel sometimes and everything else. But coming out of a Chabad school myself, I know that that's what it's meant to be. And you are really uh, the epitome of it. You've done some wonderful things since coming to Melbourne. You were born in Amsterdam. You grew up in London. You studied in Israel and in Canada. And you lived in Sydney. And then we were blessed to have you here in Melbourne. Tell us a little bit about the exciting things you're doing now. Well, I think I'm the one blessed to be living in Melbourne. Melbourne is a great, great community. And um, my wife's a Melbourne girl. And... um, It's wonderful to be married to a Melbourne girl, and I I consider myself today, I'm a proud Australian, so I love living here, and I think it's not something we could take for granted, so thank you, Australia, for your warmth and for your hospitality. (laughs) So all of these places you lived in, what's the difference that, uh, that Melbourne in particular has for you that you find? Well, I grew up in London, and um, with the greatest respect to London and um, England as a whole, I think Melbourne's got a warmth that London just, you know, and England just doesn't have. Um, English people are great, but um, I think Melbourne people, you know, you're, you're the Aussie bloke. It's just fair dinkum. So. <laughs> <laughs> really nice to hear. Now, you've taken upon yourself a really important and also really challenging role because one of the other tenets of Chabad is to um, make everybody welcome, no matter how religious they are or if they're not religious at all, but welcome Jews back to Judaism. And you've specifically taken that role of of being in charge of our youth. Tell us a little bit about what that entails and what some of the things you've done. Well, I think one of the greatest gifts, you know, that the Rebbe gave, which was the leader of the Chabad movement, was the absolute belief in every single human being and the potential of every single human being. Um, Every person has got a spark, has got a soul, has got something that enables them to shine. And um, sometimes you just need to reveal that spark. You just need to allow it, give it room to glow, and and it will shine. And um, I've been privileged, as you know, as you just mentioned, to work with young people, to work with youth, and um, been here now 20 years. Literally, um, August 18 was 20 years exactly. So, wow. Yeah. And um, it's really about engagement. It's about involvement. It's about inspiring and keeping that connectivity, keeping people connected, allowing them to meet other young people, allowing them to find that sense of belonging and saying, 
I belong to a community. And I think that's the most um, important and integral thing we could do with young people. Give them yes, especially now with um, such long hours of focus on computers and tablets mm. and so many other things. And because you're, you, did you start with school youth and then expand upwards? Well, Chabad Youth has really evolved. So it started off correct as um, with, you know, children and teenagers really evolved then into um, university students, which then in turn to young adults and now young families. And it's got the full gamut, the full offering of when you say youth, it's a pretty wide and open-ended, you know, <laughs> spectrum in terms of how we define that word youth. But it's really about young people, young families. And my emphasis now is with the young families. I've got a wonderful warm shul called Dominion, which is the shul of heart, the shul with soul, the shul of spirit, and the shul where all of you belong. And Is that uh, Friday night, Saturday, or during the week? Or Friday night and Saturday. And then we do functions, events, shiurim, classes, discussion groups, weekends away um, throughout the year. Now, for people that have never met or spoken to a rabbi, and I know there are non-Jewish people as well who are listening, um, it really is just like a teacher or bringing people together. It's not a heavy focus on you have to become religious or orthodox <laughs> or anything for you. No, it's not. We're not here to, to judge or to dictate to others how and what to do. We're here to a, be a role model, lead by example, and show the warmth and the love and the light and the excitement and positivity. You're all about being happy. That's how you started off. Yes. You know, and, and, and the love, that was another thing. Everybody needs to be loved, if, if I heard your two-minute intro correctly. Yes. And, and that is what we are about, is unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, and just showing people how beautiful it is and how great it is to live a meaningful, productive Jewish life. And welcoming, I know I've traveled a lot on my own, and because I come from that Chabad background, I've always sought out synagogues, whether wherever I was in the world, um, and always felt at home there, because a Chabad synagogue in Melbourne is just like a Chabad synagogue in Bangkok or, or London or anywhere else. But at the same time, going to synagogue on your own and not knowing people or not having, and, and I've been to synagogue, but many people may not, it can be a very lonely, daunting place, even for me mm. going in on my own. So how do you address that? It's hard for me to address it on the global level. Um, but on, on, a, on, on the local level here in Melbourne, I think it's imperative that... Um, Every community, number one, the rabbi makes it his business to welcome every person that comes in to Dominion. I say this proudly. Any person that comes to Dominion gets a personal welcome, you know, brought in, offered a siddur, a prayer book, shown, given a place to sit, etc. Make sure they have a place to go for lunch or dinner. Um, you know, we also have a welcoming committee in our shul, so um, it's not just myself who's welcoming guests but there's a few people who are designated to make sure that everybody feels a sense of belonging and um i i agree to you you know it, it, it really could be daunting walking into sometimes um a foreign environment if you like and um and it's really important that the community the shul the synagogue makes every person that walked through those doors feel welcomed now, Moshe, I asked you when we just before we started the interview, and I've met you a number of times, and you're always so 
sweet and unassuming. And if you weren't wearing a kippah, you would be like, nobody would know you're a rabbi. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Thank you. Um, so uh, I, I really want to put it out there that uh, if you haven't been to a service, what's the best way to get involved? What, who would they contact? Where would be the best place for well, I think to- I just think for the wider audience who's out there you can find me on facebook you could go to dominion our website dominion.com or yjp.org.au that's youngjewishprofessionals.org.au chabad youth this chabad campus if you're a university student find us on the net now yjp young jewish professionals i really want to focus on that for a moment because what you've done um and i understand it's a model from the u.s is absolutely brilliant because so many you you've you've divided it up into different um uh different uh um, gosh, senior moment, uh, whether people are in real estate or whether they're in fashion or whatever field mm. they're in, there's a specific professional group and you are bringing the best of the best speakers to talk to people well, for networking, which is so very important, but also to come together as Jews. Um, tell us a little bit more about how that model came together and how you're doing it, because on the website, yjp.org, .au.org.au, um, you can go there and just see how wonderfully it's, it's all set up. Yeah, so YGP really has a few different primary um, offerings, if you like. And one of them, as you, as you correctly said, is a mental workshop offering where we offer different workshops around different specialties in terms of um, what may interest you. So it might be medicine, it might be, you know, property development, it might be legal um, medicine. It, 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 there's, there's a full gamut of offerings, but really it's about, it's a, it's a touch point for engagement. So... It's really about there's thousands of young people out there. We need to connect to them. And if it's going to take a legal workshop, then we'll run a legal workshop. If it's going to take property development, we'll run a property development workshop. Um, as a matter of fact, coming up on the 12th, and there's already well over 100 people RSVP'd. Um, when I checked right before the show, there was 120, um, which is quite exciting. And that's We've only been live for about 48 hours. So, um, And that is, we've got two, you know, iconic Melbourne business people, Murray Freed and Ruslan Kogan. And um, it's titled Brick versus Click, which is brick where, you know, should you be should retailers be investing in properties and in physical edifices or stru- you know structures? Because Murray's the head of Spotlight. 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 Or should they do the, the Rustling Kogan model, Kogan.com, and just be have a virtual presence and just be online? Then they'll be quite interesting. But you know, and Kogan's um, came out of Russia in pretty much the same from the same place that I did, and about the same age, and has really uh, created something amazing. Yeah, what, what Rustling has done is extraordinary, and. Um, I think what's what's special is Ruslan wants to be once again connected back with YJP. It's young Jewish professionals. He's you know it's not the first time we're having him talk fast. Um, we had him probably about a year ago, and it'll be great to have him. And Mara's been a long-standing supporter and partner in what we've been doing. Yeah, that community thing is so so important, especially now where it's just so easy to be isolated. Now, the other thing that you created here that wasn't here before is an actual campsite. 
Yes. Tell us a little about that. So another hat I wear is um, around Chabad Youth and um, one of the larger programs or divisions of Chabad Youth is our summer and winter camps. Um, We take 2,000 kids a year on camp. We had 600 over the winter. We had um, 1,300 over the summer. And then midterm, we take smaller numbers, 100 or 100 plus. And um, we're now, believe it or not, gearing up already. We just finished winter, but we're already gearing up for our summer camp. And um, we used to have to rent a lot of sites. And a couple of years ago, we went out to the community with this vision, which is with a dream. I had a dream. <laughs> and... Um, and the community was extraordinary. The way they rallied together, and um, we were able to buy the campsite thanks, to really, the, you know, the generosity and the partnership of the entire community. It's not my success; it's our success. So good to hear, and we love that you had a dream, and that one of the things that we really promote here is anything your mind can conceive, you actually can achieve. Mm. And Theodore Herzl, I believe, was uh, was the first one to make that into a really viable quote. Who would have thought a land of Israel? Yeah, it's you dream it, you will it, and then you can make it happen. Uh, I definitely mind over matter, you know. So when you go, when you finally get into bed and you go to sleep at night and you get up, I know very, very early, but in, as you're falling asleep, do you feel, what do you feel? Do you feel a sense of pride? Do you feel a sense of accomplishment? That's a good question. And, you know, I'll answer that in it by telling you something else. But um, we were just away on a beautiful, beautiful retreat this weekend. We had 30 young Jewish professionals away. We had a ski weekend up, up in our campsite near Mount Hotham, and then we went skiing on Sunday. Really wonderful and special. And, um, I left that retreat positively and absolutely inspired and equally frustrated. And I'll tell you why. Inspired because of what we achieved and what we're doing, but frustrated in terms of how much I feel we could still accomplish and how much more there is to do. And um, I think when I go to sleep at night, you can't rest in your laws. You know, you can't just say, yeah, we're doing all right, because as good as we're doing so much more to do and um, sometimes your head races and you just want to write down things and get it going so so lots to do and lots um, to do frustrations a little bit as well frustration in a healthy way frustration in terms of a bit of frustration to motivate you to keep going to keep being very nice we're going to listen to a song that you nominated by Shlomo Kalabach and when we're which song one of the songs we'll talk Abraham about it with um so a song by Abraham Freed and when we come back you can tell us a little bit about um about why it's your favorite song and then also we'll change the pace a little bit sure dun, 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 the holy uses a, do you believe it, a tongue twister to bring us a very important message. If I am I cause you are you and you are you cause I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. No, if I am I cause you are you and you are you cause I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. Are you, are you, are you, 
And welcome back to Lily High on Life with Moshe Kahan. And he's actually a rabbi as well. Moshe, that's my very first Avraham Fried song. And um, I love it. He is a great, great Hasidic singer. Actually, as a matter of fact, I do concerts every year. And uh, the first concert we did in Melbourne that I was part of organizing was um, Avram Freed. And um, true story, hilarious story. We pick him up from the airport and um, I'm excited, Avram Freed. He was one of my childhood idols. And, um, and I'm like, Avramel, he's known as Avramel. And, you know, and he says, I can't sing. <gasps> And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, funny, is that a... <laughs> <laughs> and he said, no, 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 
for real. And um, we had it was our first concert. We had Hamer Hall. We had about fourteen, fifteen hundred people in Hamer Hall in the art center, and. Um, all day we went from one doctor to another. He, you know, literally trying everything, and uh, he'd really lost his voice on the flight over. And um, he had to get up on stage, which he did in a true gentleman manner, and tell everyone. My mother always told me to tell the truth, and um, I can't sing. And um, two of the most extraordinary things happened. Number one is the community just. Everybody rallied together, and local singers came up. We had um, Dov Farkas, Chazan Dov Farkas. Wow. He sang, and we had a boys' choir. We had Isaac Barbin, who was of Schnapps Band. He performed. It was one of the most wonderful, eclectic group of you know, heartwarming concert. And then he came back six weeks later, and everybody that had a ticket got another um, it came back to we got the Himmel again thanks to the Pratt Foundation and um, we had an amazing second concert people got two concerts for the price of one I love it when things like that come together so if you haven't heard of him either it's Avram A-V-R-O-H-O-M Freed F-R-I-E-D I'm going to be googling as well so let's talk a little bit about your family and the family you have and the family you grew up with because some people really don't understand what it is to be part of generations of Chabad. So you grow up as part of a large family and you create a large family. Talk a little bit about that and then in the context of the non-religious, non-Chabad people that you see... A little bit of a comparison. So talk about your own childhood growing up first. So I grew up, as I said, in London. I was born in Amsterdam, but I grew up in London and had a wonderful, warm childhood. And, you know, I think a childhood, when you look back, is made up of of friendships. And um, I look back and I could think of a lot of wonderful... I wasn't always a good boy. I'm sure (laughs) in my heart I was a good boy, but um, for my teachers, I wasn't always the easiest and best student. They're the best stories. Share a couple. Uh, (laughs) Uh, We've got some funny stories. Um, I don't know why this one comes to mind, and I don't know if I should be sharing this on radio. Absolutely. Unfortunately, my mum wasn't well, and... um, and we used to go visit her once in a while in the hospital, and um, I came to the realization I could miss school, and I have great excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I used to take off quite a few days telling my teachers I went to visit my mum, and yeah, that, and, that's... <laughs> and did you actually visit your mum? Not Well, I, I definitely visited my mum consistently but there were days when i chose to go touring the sites of london and uh, saw big ben quite a few times in Buckingham palace <laughs> <laughs> good on you you had it you had an, an entrepreneurial wandering spirit even back then i did i did but they were they were fun they're fun memories and they were good times how many brothers and sisters so i am one of eight i've got five brothers and two sisters and literally um my family is otherwise known as the u.n the united nations because (laughs) we live literally all over the world i've got my oldest brother lives in israel i've got a brother who lives in paris then a sister who lives here with me in melbourne i've got a um a brother in london another brother in moscow 
Wow. Uh, a sister in Canada. How do, you, how do you manage with so many brothers and sisters in terms of staying in touch, in terms of relationships? You know what? There's something called WhatsApp. And it's changed the world forever because today we are literally sharing every minute. I know where all my siblings are, where they're going, if they're walking down the road, what they're seeing, you know. So that's really good. But um, also what's really special, um, a lot of my siblings are rabbis and are what we call Chabad Shluchim. And once a year there's a convention in New York, um, a Shluchim's conference. And we all come together. We rent a, um, a little basement together and um, we all bond for the weekend and it's so wonderful. I've seen videos of those in the past. It is wild. It's not just getting together, but you guys have an amazing time. I mean, for me, I can't tell one person from the other because everybody's dressed the same. But you really dance and and (laughs) someone else is wearing a darker black hat. darker black hat. (laughs) But you're having a good time. You really, is it to, to exchange stories, personal stories and stuff for, to listen to, are there new things that you're taught or given? There's a few different objectives of, of a kinness of the conference. It's A, to educate and, um, you know, you definitely learn new skill sets. There's a lot of workshops and there's a lot of new ideas which are, you know, communicated and sort of global initiatives that are, that are embarked on but i think over and above that it's really about you know reconnecting refocusing and um giving each other what we call in hebrew giving each other strength and camaraderie and um you know different people sharing their stories and um you know how they cope how they manage over different situations and it's really about you know that brotherhood that you know that that we have with one another and um i think over and above what you learn it's about how we share and how we all belong together. And I think that's the strongest point and the reasoning for the conference. And it sounds like it's something everybody looks forward to every year as well. Yeah, 100%. And and literally thousands, thousands of um, shulchim um, rabbis come from across the entire globe. Shaliach shlichim, it comes from the word to send? Yes, so... It was known, the Rebbe started this concept, it was started by the previous Rebbe called, he had a different name then called Shaddai, but the Rebbe called it a Shliach. And a Shliach is about a messenger who is embarking on a journey. And that's why the Chabad rabbis became known as Shluchim, as Shliach is singular, Shluchim is the plural of it, um, because they are messages to spread the light, to spread the Torah, to be a lamplighter. And that years by gone, before there was electricity, there was someone's job to go around and kindle the the lanterns all around, and um, that is the mandate that we it's were given. A, it's a great concept. It's a great concept to put into Judaism. Mm. So down to brass tacks now. Did you know it was time to get married, or did did you meet your wife and fall in love, or were you? Was it suggested to you that it might be time? Well, first of all, if anybody meets my wife, it's instant love. You fall in love with her right away. So how could I not have fallen in love with her What's her name? Her name is Dina. Okay. Dina Kneewolf, now proudly Dina Khan, for 20 years now. Um, It was a shidduch, which means I was a um, a good bacha, a good student in Sydney, studying in the yeshiva over there, which is the academy over there, studying for my smicha, which is the the degree to become a rabbi. And um, a very dear friend of mine, 
spoke to his aunt here in Melbourne and they said oh he said I've got this lovely boy and she said I've got this lovely girl and um, I flew down to Melbourne and met my wife and and the rest is history you just clicked from the first time we you met. clicked from the first time and um, so you've got four children now I've got four children three beautiful boys and one sweetheart amazing girl <laughs> is she the youngest she's the youngest yes <laughs> Gorgeous. So how do you manage it and juggle it? Because as well as the job that you have to do, there are also many things within the community as well that take up time. And you start very early because your davening or prayer Mm. schedule starts daily very early in the morning as well. How do you juggle a family with what you do? Look, it, it is a, c- a continuous tension, and I'm not going to suggest that it isn't, but I think one of the, the few things you sort of got to have is that to understand that ultimately family is priority. And, um, you know, one thing my wife, to her credit, insisted on, and which we do every night, is we all eat dinner together every single night. So I leave work at, at 6.15 every evening. I go back to work every evening about 7.30. Mm. But for that hour from 6.15 to 7.15, I'm home. So important. So important. And, you know, have dinner with the kids and um, we talk. And um, now my kids are already getting older and they go to bed later than I do. But <laughs> in years by gone, put them to bed, read them stories, etc. So I think that that's one critical, one critical element. But I think another thing is I'm fortunate that my my work, which is my life to an extent, and my family are a large part of it come together. So when we go on camp, my kids go on camp with me. Um, in our shul, my kids are involved in the shul. So it's not always as if it's, you know, I'm at work and they're not there. They're part of that journey. They're part of my role. Um, and I think that's also important. When we have guests on Shabbat, I think it's important for them to see a beautiful family. Absolutely, and especially when you're dealing with young singles, Jewish professional Mm. singles, or even young families, it's important for them to see how your family um, comes together as well. Correct. So just back uh, for a moment to when you look at your life and your family, which has been all Chabad uh, immersed and I'm sure that people that you meet, that you bring into the community also tell you about their issues and challenges and everything else. Is there something that stands out for you that's different that not necessarily that you want because I, I don't want people to think that your goal is to make everybody orthodox. If I understand, if they like it, if they're drawn to it, you give them a taste of it. But what do you find is the difference between those of people you know that are in Chabad type environment and those types of people that that aren't that are coming to you to look for something what is it about their upbringing or the way they're living their lives that they're searching for something like that you've got look i i don't think it's a question of of per se what is different or what life is is better you know i think um, every human being is God's gift to humanity, and I think every human being is the most precious and, and unique and, and beautiful soul. Um, everybody is searching. Everybody is looking for a point of connectivity. People want to belong to something. People want to feel that they are valued, that they matter. 
and I think at large, and I, and I wouldn't say that that the Orthodox world, you know, needs to address this. Also, is do I matter? Do I make a difference? Am I, you know? an active contributor to society uh, am I just a taker or am I giving something back what is the purpose why am I here um, what is the you know what do I need to achieve in life and I think that's something that we all conf- you know get confronted with at times and challenges us and says you know what have I achieved today what am I achieving tomorrow what's different today and I think Judaism Torah sheds lights on that and gives a purpose gives a sense of of community and in fact i got so excited about the last song that we didn't even really talk about it which is it actually addresses what you were just saying mm. yeah so that song that Avram Fried was singing was was based on a famous hasidic rebbe called the kotzka rebbe he was a sharp a giant of a man and um he said if you're living for other people then you're not truly living. And it's not, God forbid, can be misunderstood in terms of having an ego or self-centered, but it's about recognizing that you have God-given gifts that only you have. You've got talents that are yours and you need to utilize and to contribute. Every single, the Barshentov, and I see you want to play a song, but, but the great Hasidic master, the Barshentov said, every creation of the universe has a purpose. And when the day that you were born, and I want you everyone to hear this the day that someone is born is the day that god says to them you matter you make a difference you have an active part to play so much lily high on life morris please play this uh, this next song for us and we'll talk about that a little more Shomer Aleinu, oh, ohev otanu, oh, Abba shel kulam. Pamilchamot, shomer Aleinu, banistarot, kam shamitanu, Abba sheli, o melech Shuvishuvatasole, I'm lucky. 
Welcome back to Lily High on Life with Moishi Khan, who also happens to be a rabbi, and part of Chabad, who are all about life and joy and celebrating. And another wonderful song called Abba by Avraham Freed. Just beautiful. I'm definitely Googling him and subscribing on YouTube. Great. Thank you. He's a great singer with a great spirit and great heart. Thank you for introducing him to uh, to all of us, actually. I had somebody texting me, asking me about it as well. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, thank you. So, um, I want to move into just a couple of other areas of life because it's wonderful to talk about being high on life and always having this wonderful good feeling. And I believe that you always can. But there are sometimes things come into our lives to test us. And sometimes those things are relationships. Sometimes those things are illnesses. Sometimes those things are, are, are people that we're associated with. You personally, and it seems it was around the same time that you moved to Melbourne or just after you moved to Melbourne, had um, a cancer scare yeah unfortunately um, back in 2001 yes I had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma and wasn't a pleasant experience but did you know what it was when you were diagnosed not in detail no no I didn't ask all the specifics of what it was but um, the internet's very <laughs> Too good. Too good to, very good place to, or maybe not a very good place, but it's definitely a place that, you know, enables you to read up on it. How did it, how did it affect you personally in your head? Look, it's a long time ago and there's a lot of ups and downs and you, you know, I've got sort of different memories associated with different days. Um, There's definitely some days of fear and there's definitely some days of, of, unknown and what's going to be and you know the doctors sometimes could scare you the doctors are also very hopeful and very optimistic but in terms of you know you you get different perspectives in different days and um the word cancer is sort of it's got a scary connotation to it but um were you relate the way you were relating to those people around you that loved you and there are a lot of them in your family and the what you were thinking in your head were you really sharing your your thoughts and your fears or also where i want where i'd like you to talk about also is that you have a very strong faith of in god to to be doing what you're doing and to be in habad and did that help did you question it? Was it a time of that that changed you and who you were going through something like that? I think every experience changes you. I don't think um, there is an experience extreme or not extreme that doesn't have an impact on your life and, and dictate nearly, if you like, how you move forward. Um, you know, faith definitely plays played a part and plays a part um, in my life every day. But... Um, I think ultimately um, a very, very dear friend and a mentor and teacher and rabbi, um, his name was Rabbi Groner. You might remember Rabbi Groner. I remember Rabbi Groner well. And um, I was sort of had everything bottled up inside and then I did go see him and um, he had this ability and I, you know, I I literally cried on his shoulder and I think... um, at that moment, if you like, there was a, a moment of strength and a moment of transformation. And I think in every in, in every 
situation that someone finds themselves i think you could go through a stage of maybe self-pity and you know wallowing in your sorrow and um, feeling bad for yourself and then there was a it was a pivotal change and i remember that moment where we're going to get through this and come out better and stronger and self-realization something he said I, I don't think it was even to be honest with you it wasn't anything specifically that that he said it was more about a feeling that i'm here and um you know and you got the all clear you got the all clear and i've been i'm well thank god and i'm healthy and i've you know 100 percent, yes and that moment when you realized that it was gone and that you no longer had cancer yeah, it's it's funny because it's something that, that, that still plays in your head. Unfortunately, it came back a couple of years later, and it's something that, that, that plays in your head in terms of there's always that sort of in the back of your head, can it come back, or is it a chance? Um, but you know what? I, I think in life you can't focus on the negative. You've got to focus on the good. And I, I look back at that experience with, with all my heart and soul, and I have no remorse, I have no regret about it. It's not something that I wish on myself or wish on anyone but having gone through in chemo and radiotherapy you know it's something that I feel now I have a grasp and understanding for and um, a feeling for what it is and so when it came back the second time it was different for you it was different yeah same kind of cancer it was yeah and you beat it again I did I did and um Listen, in life, in life, you know, they have a saying, a cynical saying, which what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You're stronger. But um, I don't love that saying. What I love is focus on the good. I've got a great, great life, thank God. I've got four beautiful children. I've got a dear wife. Um, and I've you're got, doing such amazing, exciting yeah. things and, and some that you haven't even thought of. And I thank you for sharing. I did ask permission before bringing it up because there are so many people that go through this mm. and they don't and they see it as a final thing that, that you know, is never going to happen. And, and the fact that you came through it twice and that you have such a blessed and wonderful life is really what Lily High on Life is all about. It's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it. And it's change your attitude, change your life. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And it's something which may not sound very rabbinic, but I, I feel I say this every day and I say to God, you're not going to take me down so easily. <laughs> So, <laughs> I love those Believe in yourself because you guys out there in the world are awesome and you have more power than you could ever imagine and more strength than you could ever believe. And the biggest issue today, maybe you're asking about the biggest